Hey there, travelers. I'm Angelica. I'm Riley. I'm Isabella. And this is True Crime International. So, Angelica, where are you taking us today? Today, we're off to Italy, which I love Italy so much. Um, I went there in high school, and I was supposed to, like, it was supposed to be, like, this huge trip with my art class, but it ended up just being me, my mom, my sister, my art teacher, and his wife. <laughs> and then, <laughs> like, did, people did, we met no up one there. else want to go? They all pulled out last minute. And oh so God. it was just us. It was it was cool. It was I think real I was highlight. given I think I was given like, oh shit, they're moving stuff upstairs. Oh I'm so I sorry. Can't hear it. No, the, the, mic, picks, can't hear the mic does pick it up. Okay. Should we risk it? I think it'll be fine. Anyway. I'll leave that part in. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Our uh, angel will. I think uh I think I was given the brochure for the trip. Um but I just I don't remember why I didn't go. Maybe I went to England that summer. I don't know. It was, it I, was amazing. That, it sounds like it would be more fun with less people either way. So, mm-hmm. I mean. It, it really was. It was a good time. Um, some some things happened during that trip that are funny that I'll have to tell you Sorry later. for another but, day. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just like a really beautiful place. And the architecture is like mwah, chef's kiss. It's. It's great. I know. It's so beautiful. Also, just a side note, I changed your moi because originally it said bois. That's how <laughs> it was I a B spell. And not an M. That's how I spell it. Actually? Yeah. Yes, bitch. It's moi. Like it's M. moi. <laughs> yeah. Moi, not bois. <laughs> I spell that with a B. All right. This is, this is uh, why you're the any- problematic friend. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this yeah. is an argument for another day. <laughs> Okay. Um, I'm going to have to get joy in on that one. <laughs> we we were going to go to Italy this year, the three of us. Yeah. Cuz you were going to come you were going to yeah. come visit and cuz Valencia is the closest airport to me. Flights from Valencia to Milan are like $30. They're ridiculously cheap and we were going to go, but you know, I was Corona. so excited to go to. I was really excited. Next I haven't time. been to Italy yet. It's so close to me. It's so good. We'll we'll do it. We'll we'll do it eventually. Next time. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Our crime today isn't chef's kiss, though. For real, for real. Like, it's it's really not. However, it's really interesting because there's so much there. Well, yet- part of it. Part of it's chef's kiss, I, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose. Uh, yet there's so many questions still left unanswered. It had professionals scratching their heads and a town was left puzzled and frightened. This case starts where the crime ends, to be honest, and that's with a scream that is heard by neighbors on the night of February 21st, 2001, in the town of Novi Ligure. I really, I (laughs) I cannot help, I just read that word as Novi. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm too Michigan. Um, I'm too Michigan for it. For all of you that don't know, the three of us used to work in a city called Novi. Which is spelled really, the exact same way. <laughs> it's actually a really disgusting sounding word. 
to be honest. No yeah. lie. And it's not, <laughs> not named great. for the town. We're not like horribly mispronouncing an Italian word. It's called Novi because uh, way back when there used to be a train station there and it was number six. So N-O and then Roman numeral V-I and so it became Novi. Yeah. You didn't know that, Angel? No. <laughs> you didn't know that? There's, there's no. even a coffee shop called number six spelled you know n-o and then v-i like right by where we used to work i know that I that's just, why i wasn't even clever <laughs> no that's because that's how the town was named <laughs> uh. anyways as i was saying um hearing a scream that i may possibly have to call the police for is one of my biggest fears Oh my! Like too. in the middle of the, like I'm like I'm worried that I'm gonna hear something in the middle of the night, but I'm gonna be too afraid to investigate it. That's one of my biggest fears murders. here in Spain. Like I'm afraid I'm gonna hear a blood curdling scream, and so I wanna I wanna call someone to help, but I'm afraid that like my Spanish just won't work, <laughs> and that whoever's being murdered will die because I can't get my shit together and speak Spanish properly. Even if you spoke Spanish improperly, I think they'd understand if you said murder. Yeah, Maybe they know some like, English. Una grita, una grita. Una grita yeah. horrible. One of just my that. biggest fears is hearing a scream inside my house when I'm home alone. I don't okay. know why that would We occur. do not need to go there. <laughs> That is something that I didn't think of before, and I wish that I... I'm sorry. Did never think of it. I live alone. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Well, but you live in, like, an apartment, so, like, it could be coming from a different apartment. That's true. If the scream's in my basement, it's in my basement. There's no other place that it could be. Yeah. Okay. Well, this particular scream belonged to a 16-year-old girl named Erica DeNardo. She was screaming for help. Her house had been broken into, and the robbers have attacked her family. She has managed to escape, but other members of her family are not so lucky. And now I'm going to backtrack and introduce you to the DeNardo family. The family consists of a father, Francesco DeNardo, a mother, Susanna Cassini, or Susie, the daughter, Erica, and a young soon. <laughs> Where did that come from? You were doing so well with all these names, and then it's the son is the word that gets you. I'm crying. Oh my God, that was so funny. <laughs> This is exactly what happened in the Philippines episode. You were saying all these complicated names really, really well. And then Toyota was just, that was too much. <laughs> oh, man. I oh. When I read the family name Donato, I just read it in the most like overtly Italian accent. And I just, oh, my go, God. Right? <laughs> I thought the same thing. Anyways, continue. Son, Gianluca who was 12. This was your average family, like seemed normal. They were attractive, wealthy, successful. No one would think twice about them or find anything suspicious about them. So here's where Riley is going to talk about the typical family setup and dynamic in Italy, because later on it's going to become important. 
So from what I gathered on the Cultural Atlas website, Italian families tend to be very like close knit and they have they really value their family connections um, with immediate family and with extended family. So like aunts, uncles, grandparents, stuff like that. And and um, cousins, they're usually like really close with their cousins, especially ones around the same age. Um, and because of this, that's kind of where their social their social circle begins. Um, though they're very close, there's still a definite authority that parents have and that grandparents have over the younger generations. Um, with this comes a lot of high expectations for children, um, because obviously when you have two parents and two grandparents or four grandparents and they all have extremely high expectations, you can imagine what the pressure is like. Um, and since the average family size is only four people, like two kids and two parents, uh, the pressure is kind of only split between two children. And so it's heavy, heavy pressure. Um, grandparents typically pay, play a big role in their grandchildren's lives because they help care for them and raise them. And due to this, grandparents also expect to be taken care of in their old age. And residential care homes are like an absolute last resort in Italy. That sounds about Unlike right. how they are here. It's, um, yeah. it's pretty much the same in Spain. Like Sp- Spain, in Spain, Italy, and Greece, family dynamics really run the same course. There might Mm -hmm. be small differences here and there, but by and large, it's pretty much the same. I recently watched my big fat Greek wedding with my boyfriend. He'd never seen it. And (laughs) I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. And for the first time, I really, really related to Ian, the fiance, entering the the Greek family because I was like, oh, my God, this is my whole life. Yes. (laughs) This is my whole life now in a Spanish family. But And also... um, Italians are really similar to Spanish uh, Spaniards as as well in that... Sorry to interrupt. No, you're okay. um, they are really quick to accept new people into their family as well. Like family is not just, uh, it doesn't stop at people that are related to you. Uh, close friends are very much considered family. I was accepted into my boyfriend's family pretty much even before we were together because I knew them before we were together. Um, and it's very much the same in Italy. Like family is everything. And if you are close with a person, they're your family. Yeah. Also, um, how you used to tell us that you and him would like walk around town and be like, oh, it's my aunt. And you're like, it is? <laughs> used to. <laughs> Still. No, like we'll walk around and he'll wave to someone that I've never seen before. And we've been together. I've been here two years and we've been together almost two years. Um, and we'll walk around and he'll, he'll wave to someone I've never seen before. And I'll be like, who's that? And he'll be like, oh, it's my cousin. And I'll be like, oh, how are you related? And he's like, I can't even begin to explain. It's my cousin. Oh That's my all God. you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Like, in, I feel like in English-speaking cultures, we tend to not really care as much. We, we, we're we very much not close with our distant relatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't – we might not even know them. I have a whole family in Australia I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that that would not happen in Spain. Like, if you have distant family somewhere, you know them. That's how I feel on um, my dad's side of the family. My grandpa has a very big family, and I have a lot of relatives on that side. And I'm always, like, on Facebook, and my boyfriend's like, who's that? And I'm like, eh, it's my cousin. He's like, from where? I'm like, I don't even want to explain it right now. <laughs> my I'm grandpa's kind of brother's married. son. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of nervous if we ever got married in uh, my boyfriend's hometown. There would have to be, like, 
200 people at that wedding. <laughs> the whole town comes. Just and have the whole it in the town, town center. <laughs> everyone knows everyone. Like, if you talk to someone, like people always ask me why I'm here because I'm a foreigner and there aren't very many Brits or Americans living in the town. I'm very much of a I'm part of a, a community of three people. Uh, and they're always <laughs> asking me, you know, like, why are you here? I'm like, oh, well, I came here to teach and I met someone. So I stayed and they're immediately like, who is it? Because I bet I know their family. I know someone in their family. And about seven times out of 10, that's true. <laughs> like, even if they also, don't know him, they know somebody. Like, somebody knows somebody. Uh, like, his the person I'm talking to, their mother's cousin's friends is friends with my boyfriend's mother or something. And it's very much the same sort of thing in Italy. I would imagine so. Yeah, same. Especially in a smaller town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like I said, this family was normal. Like, checked all all the boxes. Two parents, two kids. All of them. Francesca was an engineer at a chocolate factory. Susie was a doting mother. And they'd moved to the town because it was a really peaceful place. There wasn't any drug activity or gangs. And it was perfect for raising kids, which they had. Erica and Gianluca were really close as siblings. And because of Raising their soon. <laughs> Shut the <laughs> fuck up. <laughs> Why do you have to bring this up again? This okay. is my soon. <laughs> this is my soon. Don't talk to me in my soon. <laughs> oh, God. Ever again. <laughs> Erica and Gianluca were really close as siblings, and because of their four-year age gap, I was reminded of my sister Joy and I, because that's how many years we have between us, and we're still really close. I was literally just thinking about that. You said two kids, two parents, and I said, Me? Joy? Mark? Laura? (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) That said, things weren't always golden all of the time, because Erica was a teenager, And that's a really intense part of your life. In the Evil Up Close episode about this case, they refer to this period as Giovanni and say it's, quote, teenagers no longer children, but not quite adults, which I think is such a good way to describe how awkward it is to be a teenager because you're just like stuck in between two things and you have like expectations of who you're supposed to be. But like you but you're like 15 or 16 literally. and there's nothing you can do about it. Literally. So Erica's mom was really worried about her. Erica got held back a year and her mom didn't really like her group of friends. She was really worried about her daughter using recreational drugs. And she didn't love Erica's boyfriend, Mauro Favaro, who went by Omar. Omar was 17. And I think she was worried about the relationship moving too quickly. Because they were, like, devoted to each other. And they loved pretty blindly. Also, Omar's mom kind of let him do whatever he wanted. So I think Susie was a little worried about what impact that would have on their relationship. And this made Erica kind of grumpy in the kind of Freaky Friday, you're ruining my life type of way. That's such a good movie. (laughs) It's such a good movie. Such a good movie. Also. Um, as a teenager, having friends where like their parents didn't really care what they did was really cool. But now as I get to an adult, I'm like, 
That was so dangerous. Right? That was so Literally, dangerous. The stuff I did at my parents or at my friend's house that like their parents were just like <laughs> whatever. Like looking back, I am like, what the fuck? Like <laughs> what the fuck? I'm like, yeah, my parents were definitely right. I should not have been there. <laughs> right. But still, this is just like really normal. That's pretty similar to the relationship I had with my mom sometimes. And I think that's just part of growing up, like thinking that your parents are out to get you, you know? Yeah, when they're really just trying to keep you safe. <laughs> Literally. So back to the night of the 21st. This was a normal day. Susie picked up Erica from school. They had a bite to eat. Erica did homework. And then around four o'clock, Erica went to Omar's. I found multiple statements that said, quote, they spent a typical afternoon together, sex, drugs, and music. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I just can't take that description seriously because it seems like something. A typical afternoon. <laughs> it just seems like something an adult would pick out of a long-winded response to what they had oh, actually yeah. done because it's so frank and way oversimplified. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I just I just can't take that seriously. Also, just so blunt. I know. A typical afternoon together. Sex, drugs, and music. Like, what? <laughs> A teenager's typical afternoon. Dinner was around seven, and Erica had set the table for four. Her mom had picked up her brother, so the three of them were home, and they were ready to eat. Francesco wasn't home for dinner. He was either still at work, where he left to play football with a couple of his friends. But still, it was an average night for an average family. Until it wasn't, and we're back to Erica screaming. Basically, what the police got from her is that two guys who she didn't know broke into the house and tried to rob them, but then were surprised by the family's presence, and they panicked, which led to the death of Susie and Gianluca, who had been both stabbed to death. Susie was found in the kitchen, and Gianluca was found in a bathtub. Combined, they had been stabbed 97 times, and it was brutal. Like, they were unrecognizable. 97? Yeah. Well, yeah, if I I had been stabbed half of 97 times, I'd probably be unrecognizable, too. My God, like, to me, that just screams of hatred, to do it that many times. It's awful. That seems personal. Right? It does. Um, And a knife was left there, but besides that, there was, like, no trace of the killers. But they did have Erica, who was composed and able to identify the men as foreigners, probably Albanian, definitely immigrants. She even pointed toward mugshots that seemed recognizable to her. She also had Omar to back her up, because he evidently had been there. Like, what? I, I don't know. Wait, hold on. I also have a question. How okay, so this happened in February in the northern hemisphere. At seven o'clock, it is dark out in the northern hemisphere. Yes. It there's no way that these people didn't think that someone was home because there were there were lights on. Yeah. The whole house probably had lights yeah, on. Yeah, seems seems suspicious. I I don't know. <laughs> I I don't I don't get it either. Um but the community was frightened. They felt terrible for this girl. And because of her pointing the finger towards Albanian individuals, they started taking it out on the immigrant community, who they were already stereotyping even before this happened. 
So it became a problem for immigrants who lived in Italy, which Riley is going to talk about. Yeah, like you said, I mean, even years before this, Albanians and anyone from Eastern Europe in general um, who lived in Italy were referred to as, quote, thugs. And citizens of Novi Ligure had, quote, warned the mayor about them. Um, And this is because so many Albanians migrated to Italy in the early 90s to seek economic refuge. Like, that's why they came over. And then they got this terrible reputation. And they were blamed for, like, the most arbitrary problems, such as an outbreak of cholera in the water. Literally what? And (laughs) as years went on, they were also blamed for a lot of crime that happened within Italy because they were, like you know, described as, quote, thugs, and they were in gangs, and they ran prostitution rings. And this is all, like, quotes. I'm not saying that they did this because I don't really believe it. But that's the reputation that people in Italy gave them. And there's also a political group that protested really heavily during this case called Lega Nord, or the Northern League in English. And Lega Nord heavily opposed opposed and still opposes illegal immigration. They're like a far-right group, and they especially oppose this illegal immigration from countries with large populations of people who are Muslim. And so I think that's where it kind of stems from. And they do this, quote, in order to protect the Christian identity of Italy and Europe. That was rolling (laughs) her eyes. (laughs) There are so many non-Christian companies countries in europe what do you mean the christian identity of europe like (laughs) so basically they're xenophobic i mean there's not really any other way to put it um and there was just kind of this ridiculous hysteria over immigrants and albanians and one of the police trade unions during this case even called for the reintroduction of the death penalty for whoever was found xenophobia is a huge problem in europe I don't think there's any country in Europe that does not have a xenophobia problem. I feel like it's a yeah. problem. I well, yeah, know. it's definitely a problem <laughs> everywhere. And it just shouldn't be. Uh, I like I hate I hate people who just base everything on stereotypes and yeah. it's just so stupid. And all of these judgments were wrong. And none of this shouldn't like none of it should have happened at all. As a result, they did hold an Albanian man at one point, but he had an alibi. Also, just not sure if this man was in a mugshot that Erica identified or why they thought it was him. Like, I don't really get it, but... But it wasn't. (laughs) It was not him. So then they started to get more evidence together. There wasn't any sort of forced entry, so that seems weird for a break-in. There was also nothing missing, which is weird for a robbery. And the weapon was from their house. Like, it was a kitchen knife. Um, And then... Weird that they didn't bring any weapons with them. Weird. weird. <laughs> but I guess, like, if they're like, oh, this is a robbery, maybe they really did panic and they just grabbed a knife. Uh-uh. But still, everything about it is weird. And imagine then, imagine going into someone's house to rob them and then having the audacity to kill them for being in their own house. Right. 
<laughs> like, just run, bro. You don't need but, anything in that house that badly. What robber doesn't bring some sort of weapon with them? Like, yeah. robbers aren't out to kill you the majority of the time. But if you walk in on them, they need someone's like self-defense. Yeah, they, they, they usually bring a weapon so they can fight off if someone <laughs> walks in. So th- there's really no excuse, like, not 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 to make robbers seem nice. <laughs> yeah. But robbers typically bring in uh, weapons because it would be fucking stupid not to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then they start bloodstain pattern analysis, specifically of the footprints. Which leaves them very suspicious of Erica. Erica was terrified, right? She That's escaped. Why she screamed. Yeah, she escaped. Would have probably left the house running for her life. Except she didn't. The footprints showed that she didn't leave the house in a rush. She'd more likely calmly walked out. So now the police are thinking, hey, it was probably Erica and Omar. Since he was somehow at their house. Right? So they're left alone in one of those interrogation room things. But they're immature and think everything's going really smoothly for them. So they start to talk, complete with miming gestures of the stabbing, completely unaware of the fact that the room has both cameras and microphones. They've really never seen any crime show happen. <laughs> Yeah, I, just, I wonder if there was. I wonder if there was even one of those mirrors. You know. Yeah, I don't know. Mirrors. But <laughs> how yeah. old were they? I know they were teenagers, but do you know their exact ages? Yeah, sixteen and seventeen. Okay. Now we get to the real story of how the night actually went, and we get a little bit of insight into their dynamic. Omar's in the room, and he's nervous, while Erica is excited. They flirt excited. a bit. They like, I guess they go back and forth being like, assassin. And then they're like, no, you're the assassin. And <laughs> That's so gross. The toxicity you're is assa- just You're the assassin. No, you're the assassin. No, you're the assassin. It's fucked up. It's so fucked up. <laughs> but mostly they just talk about what they did and how they're going to get away with this. Also, just to cover this real quick, we need to talk about their mindsets before looking at the sequence of events that took place. Omar has dependent personality disorder. So when I said earlier that they loved blindly, this was even further on his side. It also seems that Erica had narcissistic personality psychotic disorder. Evil Up Close said she had like two sides. A good one, which is what everyone saw, and then a bad one. So I do wonder if something else was at play, too. But I'm going to have Riley talk about those two disorders really quick. I'm going to start with dependent personality disorder, which is actually a part of a group of conditions called anxious personality disorders. Cleveland Clinic describes DPD as the need to be cared for by others, and it results in submissive and clingy behavior as well as a fear of separation and difficulty making decisions without reassurance from others. It can also present as an avoidance of personal responsibility and an intense fear of abandonment, like intense. Um, Dependent personality disorder appears equally in all genders, and it typically first appears in early to middle adulthood. DPD can be caused by a few different biological and developmental factors like authoritarian or overprotective parenting styles, chronic 
physical illness or separation anxiety during childhood. Now, narcissistic personality disorder, on the other hand, uh, can often come off as a person being selfish or feeling superior, but it's because they're making up for a fragile sense of self-worth. Some characteristics of NPD can include a need for excessive admirations, a sense of entitlement, a willingness to take advantage of others to achieve one's goals, a lack of consideration for other people's feelings and for their needs. This disorder can make it really hard for people with NPD to get along with others if they aren't aware that they have it or if they aren't receiving help for it. And it's estimated that it only affects about 5% of people and signs of it usually appear in the late teen or early adult years. Uh, The exact cause of narcissistic personality disorder is really unknown, but it could result from a combination of factors that include childhood trauma, early relationships, genetics, hypersensitivity to textures, noise or light in one's childhood, and a person's personality or temperament. That really felt like a a pharmaceutical I was literally going to say that. (laughs) Side effects may include. Literally, that's what I felt like. (laughs) Side effects may include a stuffy nose or death. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, So both of those played a role here, and definitely in the sequence of events. So it's important that we put it out there. A lot of people think that this played a role in what happened the night of the 21st, at least partially, and especially in their relationship dynamic. Because honestly, like, those two types, like, when they're on play together, it's like literally two sides of the same coin, you know? Like, they're... Pretty much direct opposites, but like also, and there's like a well. there's a very clear like leader, and a very clear follower. Yes, the murders of Erica's family seem to have been planned, even if the plan had sort of gone awry. It was always going to happen. The family was supposed to eat dinner together, and I don't think Omar was supposed to be there for dinner or just for dinner like in general okay for dinner so but he was there because they were planning to do this so that's why he could conveniently back up her her story oh yeah uh erica confronted Susie in the kitchen while omar hid in the downstairs bathroom john oh luca yeah john luca had gone upstairs to use that bathroom because i think his mom had picked him up from like some kind of outdoor activity. So he he was like going to go take a bath before dinner. Oh, okay. Like clean up. I thought yeah. this happened after dinner. No. It it happened like dinner was supposed to happen. Oh, At, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Erica began stabbing her mom. And then Omar joined. And Susie put up a fight. And the commotion alerted Gianluca, who came downstairs and saw his mother dead on the floor at the hands of Erica and Omar. So he ran back up the stairs. Oh my gosh, that's so sad. Yeah, like... Oh. Imagine, I just had like, a thought in my head, I just had a thought in my head, like, when you watch a horror movie and someone's being murdered and the person goes back upstairs, I'm like, no, leave the house. Yeah, I know, you're just trapping yourself. Also, imagine, like, you know, you're a 12-year-old and you hear noise, you're scared, you probably want to look to the comfort of your other family members, but it's 
it's your it's your sister who's the perpetrator. Like I can't yeah. imagine that. That poor um, boy. And Evil Up Close said that Erica tried to like comfort him and still play the doting sister, but that it was ultimately, quote, a gruesome game of hide and seek. Oh my god. When they got to him, they first tried to strangle him, then they tried to poison him. And I think that this was the original plan to poison the dinner. And I'm not really sure why it happened differently. But after that, they tried to drown him. And none of this was working because he also was fighting for his life. And ultimately, he too was killed via many stab wounds. Oh my goodness, so sad. Literally awful. I also... Did they intend to leave her father out of it? I'll talk about it. Okay. No. This is where the tension between Erica and Omar becomes clear because there was still Erica's father, Francesco, who was not home. But make no mistake about it. Erica wanted him out of the picture also. Omar had, like, got tired, though, because they had just, like, gone on a frenzy. So it makes sense. Oh, yeah. I bet it was, like, commotion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially how long it took to kill the brother. Yes. Because oh, I yeah. don't think I don't think they realized how long it takes to strangle someone or drown someone. So if someone's yeah. putting up a fight, it's going to take even longer. And clearly it didn't work. So they were probably at it for a while. Mm-hmm. So I imagine you would be physically exhausted. Yep. And so he's just like, he didn't really want to be involved in that. And he basically was like, you do it then. Which irritated Erica. And then they didn't end up waiting. Um, I'm assuming it just became like too long and they just wanted to like start blaming it on someone else. After this, they are separated into different rooms. Erica's father comes through and he defends her. He wants to give her the benefit of the doubt. Um, because you know, when you think about it, he just lost all of his other family members. So I can't, like, I can't say I really blame him. Like, of course he doesn't oh, yeah. want to believe this. He really tries to blame Omar. Um, or that there had to be, have, like, there had to have been some kind of trigger that led to this. And the Omar thing we know is false because she was the dominant one out of the two of them. Like, she yeah, controlled definitely. what happened in their relationship. And I'm thinking that the trigger could have occurred which is why it ended up being so brutal but still like it didn't cause this she was planning this i wonder if maybe she like tried to slip something into the food and then her mom saw her and then she was like well it's now or never yeah maybe i'm i'm really i'm really not sure they were both arrested obviously and they both blamed each other but still it was pretty clear to everyone that omar had been manipulated but it didn't excuse him because he still had a significant role in the killings it's like the the gypsy rose case do you know oh, yeah. that case it, that's the one the, with the um, show right yeah um, there's Hulu? a show and i mean tldr but uh, a girl was told by her mother that she had she was really sick and that she'd been sick her whole life and it was all fake. Her mother was just give, just drugging her the whole time, and she had uh, the the daughter 
started a relationship with someone online who had a, a form of autism and oh, yeah. she convinced him to murder her mother yeah yeah i do i do know what you're talking about now isn't that um her mom had munchausens yeah so this case made the public crazy with stress like is my teenager gonna kill me and just a side note i don't i don't know why but during this time there was several notable murders that were committed by teenagers so teenagers had a bad rep and they already have a bad rep um when erica was in prison her next door neighbor was a teen that murdered a nun the previous year which i i want to talk oh about <laughs> some other time but yeah bad rep um and I had specialists just examining every inch of this case, looking into the teenage mind to try to figure out what the fuck caused this to occur, etc. So now I'm going to look at some different rationales behind what happened here. Because remember, this was your average family. So firstly, in the Evil Up Close episode, they mentioned that she was banking on getting the inheritance after she killed her family. But the thing with this, I don't really see any instance of this working out in her favor. Like, the murders were not done with much skill, and she barely managed to throw the police off. And I don't see that being her ultimate reason. Because, like, she didn't have all of the money, but she lived a life that was one where she didn't really want for anything. Like. Yeah, like, they were definitely very comfortable. Yeah. Like, I, I'm sure, like, she thought about that factor. Like, I, I think her and Omar talked about that possibility. But also, they talked about what they would, like, wear to the funeral. So, I'm fucking asshole. Ew, that's gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also some discussion about the gap between parents and their children and how that's to blame. And basically, this puts blame on the fact that parents have a difficult time connecting with their children and vice versa. And this is backed up by teens and heavy cell phone usage. And I read that in Italy, they refer to SMS as also se mama sapise, which means should mama suspect. Which honestly, (laughs) I find pretty funny. Um, That is yeah funny but also weird i know Uh, that's like that's like you know in um like teen magazines they do all like the acronyms and they're like parents this is what your children are saying i just um i found that fact a little funny and i guess her texts kind of exposed erica in not actually being the nice girl everyone saw her as but i also don't think people's texting personalities are really that different from their actual personalities. So I don't love the validity of this either because a lot of this is based on like teenagers being misunderstood, but I feel like that's yeah. normal. Like yeah. I mean, it's Unless complicated like, because yeah. Because I mean, I have definitely texted people in a way like mirroring how they text in order to be accepted for them, in order for them to like mm-hmm. me. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I that's fair. Have stopped, I stopped caring a long time ago. But definitely as a teenager, I did that. 
And so I feel like it's not it's not a great way to gauge someone to gauge a teenager's personality by how yeah. they text. Yeah. Also, she if she did have narcissistic personality disorder, that could kind of play along with it because yeah. she would kind of do anything to make things go her way. Literally. Which mm-hmm. kind of translates to manipulating people. Yeah. But I feel like I don't know, cell phone usage in teenagers isn't like it's not it doesn't create that big of a a gap. I would say it's very circumstantial. And I yes, very yeah. cell phones are not to blame. I mean we were probably one of the first generations to grow up with smartphones, to have smartphones as teenagers. Mm-hmm. We were the first generation to have smartphones as teenagers. And I think well, we're functioning this, adults. This now. happened in two thousand one too. We didn't so we didn't murder our parents. Were like, these phones were like they were basic. Like, so like yeah. you made a call and a text, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they bring up the influence of pop culture. And I get it. I get that we're influenced by what we see. But I really have a hard time believing that's what makes someone go nuts and kill people. I I, I just think something's up past that. And yeah. so they found a book on Erica's bedside table by Giovanni Verga. And it was like short stories that she was reading for school, I believe. And in the book, there's a phrase, Viva la Liberta, or long live freedom. And I guess Erica really felt this because she wrote about it in her diary. But I really think this is grasping at straws too, because so many people want freedom from like, and, and they want to be able to live their lives, but that doesn't make them want to kill people either. Like that's a very like teenager and early adult literally thing. Literally. I mean, like any any teenager is like, I want freedom from what my parents are telling me to do. Like yeah. <laughs> I wanted that. I still want that. And like to me, like there's more validity. Like if if someone is exposed to so much violence in pop culture, okay, maybe. But like uh, a quote, "Long live freedom." Mm. no mm-hmm. that doesn't seem very violent to me no. <laughs> this just makes me think of like every time there's a shooting in the u.s um particularly when a teen com- commits a shooting everyone's always like violent video games this is what happens and like no and like people my play- boyfriend plays violent video games every day and he's still the sweetest person i've ever met in my life and people violent play violent video society. games all over the world and all all the other countries are not facing the same shootings in the same sort of way as the United mm-hmm. States. It has nothing to do with violent video games. It has to it do has, with yeah. violent society. Like And mental health. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. I I just it was this that was really grasping for me. And I get Erica was salty that her mom didn't love Omar or all of her life choices. But even if she wanted to start a life with Omar separate from her family, Omar still had a family. And while they might have been, like, more easygoing, I doubt that this would mean they'd still be, like, completely able to do whatever the fuck they wanted. Because no, they were 16 and 17. Literally. <laughs> I, they were still in high school or secondary, whatever they call it in Italy. Probably yeah. secondary school. Yeah. But, uh, so, I, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of conclusions that this happened because of the wish to get away from that typical family structure and expectations that parents held for their children. 
Um, and I get it because typical structures can be toxic because like not, it's just not a life all people want to live. So essentially maybe Erica was sick of playing the doting daughter. She didn't want people to tell her what to do, etc. I think this probably has the most base, especially if it's taken into account with the fact that they had personality disorders and were also just not actually good kids. Yeah, um, and they were teenagers. Yes. I mean, no teenager wants their parents to tell them what to do. So I get, like, yeah. I think that's probably um, the thing that put the most pressure on the two of them and definitely could have caused the most influence, but still. Um, the thing I found most interesting is that um, in this writing by Ellen Nirenberg, um, she said that like the stab wounds inflicted to Jean-Luca and Susie were reminders of the struggle of identity that mirrored the struggle of birth. And like hmm. that reminds me of some Freudian level shit. Um, yeah. But it's, it's matricide. So I guess like it fits. Um, but it also yeah. like it takes a second to second. I know. I'm thinking. still thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like hmm, mirroring, mirroring birth. Um, hmm. but Life what, and death. Right. Uh, I don't know. What I got from it is that it's kind of similar to the want to like stray away from the typical family structure that can be suffocating as well as the influence of an obviously present struggle for identity that most people face. I can, I, I can understand that. Be- just speaking from my perspective as now being part of a Spanish family, uh, they do everything together. They do everything mm-hmm. together. Like if, if a few people decide to go to the mall and they don't invite, you know, a couple of the other family members, there'll be drama over it. And so thinking about all this from a typical, you know, US or Canadian or British or Australian or New Zealand perspective, it's really not the same. Like family dynamics in this part of Europe, in Spain, Italy, and Greece are so completely different. And the family structure is lovely and warm and just really, really nice, but it can be very suffocating. It's something that I feel sometimes because my boyfriend and I might want to go do something, um, but we have to invite other people to go along with us, that sort of thing. And, and we like don't you necessarily want to. Yeah. And like you explained, I mean, your identity definitely lies with your family because you said you talk to people and they ask who your boyfriend is because they probably know the family. Exactly. Like that's, like, how, that's how you're recognized and that's how you're, you're known. Yeah. It doesn't suffocate me so much just because it's a very new thing for me. But I do see, I do see the people around me feeling that suffocation sometimes. That their duty to their family, just based on their culture, is really, really, really strong, and they have to put themselves second a lot more than we do in English-speaking countries. Anyway, this case put the whole town on edge because they were just they were worried about the acts of violence that other teens could commit. And even more so because there was just never any reasoning behind this act, or at least not one that anyone could easily fathom. Um, Because Erica and Omar were young, they didn't get life sentences. Like, for a brief part of this, they also tried to hide their identities. But the thing is, like, that was hard because Erica already had, like, come forward as a victim. So, like, that didn't pan out. Um, Mm -hmm. But they both got charged with murder in the first and the second. 
Um, Omar was seen as being less responsible and got 14 years, while Erica got 16. But Omar was released in 2011, while Erica was released in 2012. I couldn't find a lot about their current lives, but they do get to have them, unlike Susie and Gianluca. So they only served 10 and 11 years. I guess so. Yeah. That's so stupid. I hate that. How do they not get... Okay, I get they're teenagers or whatever, but this is premeditated murder. Yeah. I wonder what life is like for them now. I wonder if they have a... Like, you know how... um, What's what? Oh, what's her face? Casey Anthony. Mm. She's obviously not in prison, even though she should be. Um, she, but she can't have any sort of normal life now. Everybody knows who she is. I wonder if it's the same thing for them in Italy. They can't have a normal life. I feel like, or I wonder if they have a new identity. I know a little bit about the parents. So Omar's parents left the town and changed their names, I believe. Um, while, uh, Francesco, he stayed in the house. Um, and I, I think he still has a relationship um, with Erica, uh, but I don't really know. He's what still in the house like now. Yeah, I mean, if he if he has a relationship with Erica, that's his prerogative. Yes. Um, but to still live in the house? Oh yeah, I, I definitely don't think I could live in a house. But maybe he just is. I I guess I could understand him clinging to the memories that he made, the reasons why he moved there, etc. Um, mm-hmm. so I don't know. It's definitely complicated, but yeah. So y'all should come follow our Instagram at true crime INTL, where we post pictures that relate to our cases. And we, we have the link to our Google survey, uh, for if you have any case suggestions for us. Um, also you'll probably get to see a fair amount of cat pictures because <laughs> we love our cats. Yes. Um, I don't have a cat. You can also find us on Facebook by searching True Crime International, where you can join our group and we can chat about cases and true crime in general. And if you're enjoying our podcast, please leave us a five-star review and some kind words on Apple Podcasts because we would appreciate it and we appreciate you. And it would also really help to boost the show. And our so please, because I'm depressed. <laughs> And I am serotonin boost. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's all we have for you today. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we hope you enjoy your stay here at True Crime International. 